There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Now let's turn our attention again today to the creative ways that you can reflect your Christian faith. Some people write non-fiction, almost textbooks about their Christian faith. Others have mastered the ability to write fiction and weave a Christian worldview through their writings. Author Nick Hawkes has lived in several countries around the world. Along the way, he's earned two degrees in science and two in theology, and he's written books on both. Nick has been a research scientist, a theologian and a pastor and these days has turned his hand to writing novels, writing romantic thrillers that feed the heart, mind and soul. His first novel, The Celtic Stone, won the Australian Caleb Award in 2014. Another of his books, Key Issues, won the Selah Award in America in the same year. Nick's joining us. Hello, Nick Hawkes. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, hello, Neil. It's good to be with you. Nick, you write about all sorts of things, uh, from biblical apologetics, Bible studies and resources. You write a little about leadership. But what we'll talk about today is your novels. What's brought you to this point where, uh, where you're writing novels, and even novels not just for Christians, but you want these to be read by a non-Christian audience? Yes, that's, that's right, uh, Neil. I started to write, I think, because I was, well, quite frankly, I was struggling to find books that I really enjoy. I mean, so many people are busy, and so I needed a page-turner, but I needed something that was sort of heartwarming and clever, and and also, crucially, had something to say uh, amongst the adventure. And I also wanted to be able to put the case, to whisper the possibility of God to people who read the novels and were the sort of books that I could give to my non-Christian mates and know that they would enjoy it and and be surprised by the possibility of God along the way, yeah. Now, you like to write romantic thrillers. (laughs) That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a romance novel in what we might think of as what a lot of women love to read. Tell us what that romantic thriller idea means to you. Yes. Uh, we're told that three-quarters of the, the reading uh, world uh, is feminine. Uh, I don't actually put romance in there because I want to appeal to women, although I think it's a very clever and, and wise thing to do. It's just that I'm romantic and, and that there is a romantic streak in all fellows. And the books are a long way from uh, you know, romantic Mills and Boone. But there's always, always a story. There's always a, a love thing going on in there usually obviously between the hero and, and uh, heroine or the other way around. 
And one of the reasons why these are, I mean, it's, it's timeless, really. I mean, everybody lo- loves a good love story as long as well as, you know, an unlikely hero um, uh, doing extraordinary things, uh, at usually at some cost to themselves uh, to rescue a bad situation back. But along the way, I mean, love is part of our story. It's the human story. It's the greatest motivating force around. And, and, and therefore, to have a novel without a love story of some sort or love tension, uh, I think it's been pretty bleak. And so there's always a bit of love. Uh, there's a love story in there, no doubt about it. And, and I enjoy it, quite honestly. Hmm. And you say that really you haven't been able to find the sorts of novels that really appeal to you. So you decided that you'd write some of your own. So that really indicates that there's something of a void or a real need here for Christians to begin to apply their creativity to how they might actually communicate with a wider audience and and actually communicate something deeper by way of values. I think you're absolutely right, uh, Neil. I'm always remember that you know Jesus spent so much of his time, you know, wandering alongside lakes, climbing up the mountains, uh, chatting to his disciples in fields and what have you. And and you know uh, Jesus, you know, brought uh, God's spirituality and faith uh, in, into the marketplace where people were. And with Christianity retreating from the marketplace, you know, I'm swimming around like a shark in muddy water, looking for another way to uh, uh, to reach people with a possibility of God, and uh, and therefore uh, I write novels that will be read by non-Christians. And the difficulty is that uh, this is not often done terribly well, and uh, Christians can end up uh, preaching in in their book. To, to an extent that turns their non-Christian mates off. And I've read some shockers, quite honestly, and others, uh, you know, uh, tiptoes uh, so um, carefully around the gospel, you never actually hear it. And so it's quite where you, uh, you know, p- picking the, the, the right amount of gospel uh, is actually very, very, very tricky. And so I, I always try and let the story unfold, the possibility of God unfold, just in the normal narrative, and usually in the context of the hero overcoming some form of brokenness, whether it's uh, shame or whether it's grief. And, and throughout the, the novel, that issue gets addressed at some depth, actually, but you never realize it because you're caught up in the action and it just flows naturally with, uh, in, in the dialogue. And, uh, and usually a lot of that wisdom comes from the dialogue of a, a mentor figure who, who is usually present in some form uh, in these novels. Nick, you like to grubby things up a little bit. Now, when I say that, you don't want to uh, you you don't want to present a hero uh, who is squeaky clean, as you say. There's going to be flaws and there's going to be faults. Uh, but one yes. of those things that sometimes when you're reading something that's written for a Christian audience, you think somehow or other it is made to be almost sickly sweet, almost oh, too yeah. uh, too innocent uh, to capture yes. the imagination and to actually put your finger on the realities of what are going yeah. on in people's real lives. Is this what you're no, trying to well overcome? Said. No, well said, Neil. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Lord preserve us from, you know, facile, saccharine, overloaded writing that fails to identify with the harsh realities of the human condition. I mean, goodness sake, life is far more interesting and far more 
complex than that uh, and full of doubts and misgivings. You know, if we just produce sort of you know, Christian pat that doesn't really address the real angst and, and questions uh, that, that normal people have, I think we've failed them. And what's more, it actually can be quite dangerous because, you know, people can read that stuff and say, well, look, you know, my experience of God is not like this. Maybe there's something wrong with me. <laughs> and I want to cry out and say, no, no. No, no, it's actually not quite as simplistic as that. Uh, you know, true faith is, is developing a faith that's strong enough to withstand the loss of faith, the loss of faith. And, and so let's explore that, you know, uh, a little bit. And so my heroes always have some, some major flaw, but they, they, they tentatively step towards the possibility of God, usually because of the wisdom of the mentor who actually uh, is addressing the the angst of the soul of the hero in some form or another. I mean, one of my heroes is a, a pilot who's just about to to get his commercial flying license, and then he and then he crashes a plane in, in the Australian desert, uh, rescued by an Australian Aborigine, and and and, and he's blinded, so he can can never fly. Uh, and so, how does he cope with that? And he ends up in the in the Scottish Hebrides, and there's a whole lot, big adventure that goes on. And, and, and a gamekeeper, uh, Murdoch, uh, from the Isle of Skye, you know, turns up and, and just, just through his dialogue, hope is given and, 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 and so on. And, and another occasion, it's a, it's a professor working at the British Museum and, and, and so it goes on. Mm. And, uh, and, and, the, and these people just whisper the possibility of answers and hope in uh, a difficult, complex, <laughs> far from straightforward, non-saccharine, non-facile uh, situation. And when you finish the book, uh, hopefully you would have found just that, hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the way you are describing it because the heroes in your books don't all have to turn out perfect in the end. Uh, but it sounds to me like your use of the mentor to be able to communicate real wisdom just sheds light on the path ahead of your hero and uh, going through all of, no doubt, all of the adventures uh, in a romantic thriller. Uh, but you're actually not necessarily trying to perfect the hero here, but you're actually trying to, uh, as you say, uh, say that there is hope ahead, uh, even though yeah. you are a flawed character. That's right. Uh, it's exactly right. Uh, I think finding a mentor in life is actually quite important for all of us, actually. Uh, I mean, uh, if we don't, you know, we just sort of fall back into the pack and, and allow uh, ourselves to be moulded by TV, Facebook and Twitter, which is a fairly scary thought, yeah, <laughs> and right. turn into sort of mindless, narcissistic uh, consumers who have no idea why we're alive on the planet or who we are. Um, and so, yeah, we, we just need those around us, don't we, uh, Neil? That, that just says, uh, you know, Nick, um, who are you? Why are you on this planet? Are you happy with what you are? What do you think you you are called to be? And these are exciting and beautiful questions. Yeah. Uh, just to mention some of the titles of books that you've written along this genre, uh, you've got one called The Peacock Stone, set in India. Oh, yes. And, yes, uh, hasn't hasn't been published yet. Yeah, but yes, okay, right. And that one features Jay Auntie, uh, and, and it's a heroine, and she grows up. And uh, that book um, came out as a result of a couple of mission trips my wife Mary and I made to India. And we had the most extraordinary adventures. 
um, meals, just the most amazing things. And I just lapped it up. I mean, being a, a writer and, and having been trained as a biologist, you're sort of noticing all these things and you just know it's going to end up in a novel. And, and, and it does. And, and her, her journey is one from insignificance uh, as a member of the, of the, of the untouchables. Uh, in, 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 and she discovers her significance in this journey and, and her adventures and, and what have you. So, yeah, the, the, the Peacock Stone was, is one of them. So the Peacock Stone, another one called the Atlantis Stone, and one of your recent titles, the Fire Stone. Now, what is this obsession you've got with stones? <laughs> Good question. I tried to think... I thought, I'm not sure that I'm clever enough or, or got the patience to write, you know, about a little boy sitting on broomsticks and spectacles flying around and, and, and writing one story after another with the same characters. I, I get bored with them. And, and so I wanted each story to have different characters, different stories, different countries, different adventures uh, and different issues. Uh, and so I thought, well, how can I still link them together? And I thought, well, if we k- keep the word stone in the title, and so we have the... Viking stone, the Pharaoh stone, the Peacock stone, the Atlantis stone, and the Fire stone. Um, it, people should know that. Wow, what's, that's one of Nick Hawke's novels, and uh, and I know what they're like. They're, they're going to they're going to make you think. Uh, hopefully, they're going to to be heartwarming. They're going to be a bit clever. They're going to have a, a few twists and turns. Uh, I, I know what the, the stone books are going to be like, and I can recommend them. So. That's the reason why Stone is in the titles. But uh, uh, as I say, the third one's about to be published. Uh, the, um, the Peacock, Atlantis, and Firestone uh, have yet to uh, be offered, actually, for publication. So if you're a publisher out there listening uh, and you want to get hold of me, please do. So which ones are available, Nick? Oh, the, the first one was a Celtic stone uh, that largely takes place uh, on the Isle of Skye uh, in the Hebrides of Scotland. So the Celtic stone, uh, then the Viking stone uh, came out uh, a couple of years ago, and that adventure takes place in the tideways and byways of Essex and Suffolk, so an area where I, I used to sail many, many years ago, and it's to do with smuggling, and also the adventures in, in an ancient English boarding school and, and, and an old abbey. So that's where that takes place. So those two are already out there, the, the Celtic Stone and the Viking Stone. And about to come out is the Pharaoh Stone, which is a little different. The Pharaoh Stone really is, is, is more of a Dan Brown style, a Christianized <laughs> Dan Brown. And it touches on the murky world of Freemasonry, ends up in in uh, Paris, uh, New York, uh, and, of course, Egypt. Uh, but most of the action takes place uh, in the shadow of the Tower of London. Uh, and I used to stay on a boat in St. Catherine's Dock under the shadow of Tower Bridge there with a mate who actually was the guy who led me to face uh, in a sailing boat. So there you are. <laughs> You're right there in the middle of how that character unfolds. Look, I'll point people to any local bookstore where you'll be able to order any of Nick's books. 
They'll order it from Novella Distributions. Uh, You can also get those books through Vision Store, Vision Christian Store. Simply go to vision.org.au and you can buy your books through Vision Store or you can go online and go to nickhawks.net. That's N-I-C-K-H-A-W-K-E-S dot net. And you can also access them from Nick's site. Nick, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. It's a pleasure, Neil. Have a have a great day. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.